Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Restoration Foursquare Church. RFC, located in Concord, New Hampshire, is a church that desires to develop disciples who will love God, love people, and serve the city. We pray that this sermon will help you grow in your understanding of who God is and how much he loves you. We are in Acts chapter 5, um, and I have a sermon prepared, and I'm kind of feeling we might go in a different direction this morning. Um, if it's very detailed and uh, it's very safe, um, well, it was, it's not safe, but um, it's safe for me because it's already organized and it's all worded and it looks really nice on paper. Um, but between, between yesterday and this morning and then in worship, I kind of felt like, oh, the Holy Spirit might just say, hey, we're going to talk about something else. So we're going to see. I'm going to start and we're going to see where the Holy Spirit takes us. Um, so here we are in Acts 5. Last week, we heard about Ananias and Sapphira, and uh, that's probably not a really pleasant story. Um, it kind of scares me a little bit that, you know what, you lie and God goes, done. You know? Um, and I can imagine back then, like, the fear. That's a healthy fear of the Lord. Like, these people sinned and... God dealt with it. I think that would kind of freak us out a little bit. Um, So we're in Jerusalem. Um, Jesus has been crucified, resurrected. He's ascended. The Holy Spirit has come. Peter, John, and the other apostles are out and about in Jerusalem, and they're preaching, and they're Um, they're so filled with the Holy Spirit, people are being healed, and believers are just coming into this new-founded idea of the church in in thousands, thousands. I mean, we have 120, 150 people. Imagine if we came in one Sunday and there were just 1,000 people here. We would be like, I don't know what to do, you know? Um, Think about it. What would you do if you walked in and there's no place to seat and people are just standing here and they're like, okay, we want to know more about Jesus. Make more coffee. (laughs) We'd be making a whole lot of something. (laughs) So there's Ananias and Sapphira. And then we now have the apostles. And we start in verse 12. And it says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico, which is in the temple area. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits were demon-possessed, and they were all healed. So we look at these, like, four verses, and um, there's so much in there. And I don't know that Uh, All right, here we go. Okay. 
Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Now we know that we in our flesh, in our humanness, we don't heal people. That's all God. Um, So if you lay hands on somebody and they're healed, that's not you. That's the Holy Spirit working through you, right? Okay, just so that we're clear. Because if I go on and I say apostles healed, I don't want you to think like we're giving credit to the apostles because guess what? Peter was a fisherman, right? He wasn't a doctor. He wasn't anything special. Um, Well, he was special. Christ looked at him and said, I'm going to build the church on you. But in his human form, he was nothing. And even in those days, he was nothing. Like social class, he was, you know, that's how God works. Pulls up from the bottom. Um, So he goes, and I think about this. I'm like, what would it look like if, for instance, the church in general nowadays, not only our body, but the church, was so filled with the Holy Spirit that the people in the city of Concord were flocking to you. What if they were saying, you know what, I need to go find Mike because he's so filled with the Holy Spirit and I have a problem. I have to go find Julia because I need her to pray for me because I need to be away from this oppression. Okay? Does the church look like that? No. Do we look like that? Sometimes. Maybe. I know that I don't look like that. I don't have people coming to me all the time saying, could you just walk over here so that perhaps your shadow might help me? So, If you're feeling convicted, trust me, you know. Um, So, all right, we know that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. We believe that, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. Thank you, Everett. Which means the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, forever. Okay, so now I'm going to plug a little bit because there's all those theories and theologies out there that what the Holy Spirit did then is not for today and it's not for later. So if the Trinity is the same and they're all equal, then Jesus is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because we can't separate them. They are intertwined. So if Jesus is the same, the Holy Spirit is the same. So the same power that Peter and John and the apostles had is the same for today. And forever. Okay. Uh, Ooh. So keep that in the back of your mind because we're going to come back to that. The Holy Spirit is so prevalent in the disciples, so fresh and new, um, that everywhere they they go, the disciples are healing people. And um, 
making disciples and spreading the gospel, and Christianity is just, like, exploding. And not only in Jerusalem. So now we have people who are outside of Jerusalem, in surrounding towns, who are bringing those people in. Like, here's my sick mother. Here's my demon-possessed child. Here's my oppressed father-in-law. Come heal them. And the scripture is very clear, and it says in verse 16, the people gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted, and they were all healed. Not just some of them, not just the one on the corner, or not pick and choose, everybody. Okay, so you have this mass healing of people, and the believers are just going, wow, this is amazing. I want to be part of this. So that's the church then. And as we go through the years, we look at the church now. And I'm not saying that the church is bad. What I'm asking you to think about is the church working in the power of Christ. Sometimes, maybe, on occasion, a little bit here, a little bit there. Why is it not happening? <clears throat> and it's just something to think about. Are we overflowing so much with the Holy Spirit? Are we overflowing? Are we even filled? I know there are some days I feel completely depleted. And then there are other times, I got to tell you, worship this morning, I was like, whoo, it's coming, right? And because for me, just for me, it might have been for you, but I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is a, I like this. And so here we have these apostles, we have these apostles, and they're just being bold, and they're being free, and they don't have any hindrances or hang-ups about Jesus. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bold person for some things, and I am not so bold for others, okay? And I'm very justice-oriented, so when I see a wrong, it needs to be corrected, it needs to be fixed. When something's not fair, I like to make it fair. I like to fix it. I am not bold at proclaiming the gospel. Just being honest. I have co-workers, and we have conversations, but I do not just go and say, Lord, you, you, you need Jesus, because your life is messed up. <laughs> Probably not the best delivery. <laughs> But you get what I'm saying, right? I had the opportunity, there's a, there's a woman that I work with and really just dealing with some health issues. And we texted one morning, I was like, oh, I'm really, really going to step out on this because I felt the Lord said, you need to pray for her. And I was like, sure, I'll pray for her. And he's like, no, not that, not your kind of praying. I want you to pray for her. I want you to go, like, pray for her. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, 
Yeah, okay, Lord. And I, I did it, but she wasn't at work that day. So this is how it happened. I did it over the phone. And we prayed, and I was like, let me just pray for you. And I prayed, and I had heart issues, so we prayed for all that. And she was like, that was amazing. And I was like, oh, phew. (laughs) 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 Because I didn't want to be rejected. I was like, we have a friendship. I don't want to lose that. I don't want you to think I'm super crazy. Guess what? She doesn't think I'm crazy. (laughs) You didn't hear that, but... So, all right, I can't, we can't do this. So, as we read on, the high priest rose up and all were with him. And, and all, wait a minute, I'm sorry. And all who were with him were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. Okay, so they're talking about the Sadducees here. They're talking about the high priest, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. Um, the religious order of the time. And they put the apostles in prison. So they're jealous. Here's that word coveted that Peter alluded to that last week about people being jealous. Um, In my Bible, it talks about they were indignant. They were upset. They were mad. How, okay. I'm just thinking how can one be mad when Christ is overflowing? And you know why they were mad? Because they weren't doing it. And they didn't believe in the message of Christ because they were self-righteous, legalistic, and selfish people. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the worlds of this life. Okay, so God has a different plan. Disciples get thrown in jail. God says, this is not how this is going to happen. Let's them out and sends them right back to where they were arrested the first time. Okay, now for me, I got to be completely honest, I would not be doing that. If you arrested me for doing something and God said, okay, you're out of jail, I'm not going to go back to do it again because I don't want to be arrested again. I would be disobedient. It's a good thing I wasn't alive back then. (laughs) And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So the apostles go right back to doing what they we're doing in the first place. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the senate of Israel and sent the prison, sent to the prison to have them brought. So the high priest, they get together in the morning, they start their gathering, and they say, go get those people out of jail. We're going to have a little chat. Um, but the off- officers got to the jail. They did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. That's kind of freaky. Imagine the officers having to go back to the high priest to let them know that their prisoners were not there. In those days, they could be killed on the spot for it. 
So when the captain of the temple, uh, verse 24, so when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard the words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. So here they're trying to figure out what happened. We put them in jail last night. They're not in jail this morning. So somebody had to let them out because they couldn't have gotten out on their own. And it's all still locked. So somebody else is involved in this thing. And someone came and said, hey, look, the men you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. And then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So if you go back in the earlier verses, it said the apostles were highly esteemed, right? So the people held them in high regard. Does society hold the church in high regard? No. Verse 27, And when they brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to go and teach in this name. Funny how they don't use the word Jesus there, huh? Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And this is where it gets good, okay? And this is where it gets challenging because I'm not sure that we always do this. I'm not sure that I always do this. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Okay, so we're just going to take a side note on this because this is important. If you're in your Bible consistently, you know what scripture says. You know that we don't lie. You know that we don't gossip. You don't know we take, but we don't, we're not supposed to do certain things because God has ordained and laid out this plan for us, and it includes certain things not to be involved in, okay? So Peter says, we must obey God rather than man. We, we have been instructed to obey the laws of the land. God says obey the laws of the land. However, when they are in contradiction to what God says, we have to do what God says, okay? So our city might say, that's okay. You can do that. Okay. Um, our government might say something is legal. Something is okay. Some religious leader might get up on a big stage and go blah, 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 and say it's okay. But just because those say it's acceptable, if it's against this, it's not okay. So somebody, and this is just a big widespread thing, so somebody might get up and say, it's okay for you to cheat on your spouse. It's all right. It's legal. We're, we're okay with adultery. And God says, no. So which, which one are we going to go with? Are we going to say, well, the law of the land says it's okay to do this. God doesn't, but it's okay. See, God is supreme. So what God says goes. We don't get to pick and choose. Well, technically... We have free will. We can pick and choose what we want to do, but there's always consequences. 
right? So if I choose to have an affair, it might wreck my marriage. It might wreck my relationship with my children. It might wreck my relationship with my friends. It's certainly going to do something this way, right? <coughs> so the Bible warns us of false teachings. And it says in the last days there's going to be lots of false preachers and lots of people saying this is okay and this is okay and this is okay. So if you're not in this, you're probably going to fall for it. So we know there are certain cultural things right now that the society is saying it's totally okay. It doesn't matter who you love. It's okay. It doesn't matter. You don't have to keep your marriage vows. Divorce, is I think, has a higher statistic in the church than it does in the world. Anyway, society. All right. What's next? So Peter comes up, and this is where we get really challenged because he's being faced with the possibility of death. Okay? These people are trying to figure out how they're going to kill him and the apostles, and legally, the, they cannot do that, but they did it with Jesus, and they figured out how to work the system so they could crucify Jesus and take the criminal. The Holy Spirit comes on Peter, because we have this image of Peter as a fisherman, and he's kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, he's kind of uh, bull in the china shop, and just charges in and does things, and we go, oh, Peter, what are you doing? So Peter brings forth this speech here, and he says, We must obey God rather than men. Verse 30, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So Peter brings this almost like in a full circle, and he says, okay, listen. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's bringing all the Jewish heritage in. They're all Jews in the room, right? The Jewish culture. So he's saying, we all have the same God. And the God that I am preaching about is the same as yours. But they, you know, that's beyond them right now. Um, that God raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. Just want to make sure that you're not, this is not on us. This is you. You crucified him. God exalted him in his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. So here's a call to, this, to these priests saying, this is just as much for you as it is for us. And we are witnesses to these things and so is the Holy Spirit. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. Um, so, <laughs> anybody ever been offended? No, never, right? So here's the thing. They get offended. Why do they get offended? Because Peter's speaking the truth, right? So their hearts were immediately hardened. Now, I do not like correction, right? Never have. Um, I don't. 
Um, but I need it, right? And we need it. So does this ever happen to you? Because somebody brings you some spiritual correction, and you don't like it, so you get all mad. You get all huffy, and you get all puffy, and you get all offended. And you know what? I'm not going to that connection group anymore. I don't like what they said to me. You know what? Make it even better. I'm not even going to church. I'm not going to go to church anymore because I don't like what they said, which might be some of you after today. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I use humor when I start to get nervous. You like. <laughs> so the Bible calls us to spur each other on in love, which requires us to correct each other. So Peter's correcting the Pharisees, and he, I don't see him doing it in a brash, in-your-face kind of thing. I picture him just sitting there going, hey, you know what? Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, this is just as much for you as it is for, as it is for the rest of us. And we have to obey God because this is what God said. God said to go preach. God said to go do this. And how many times does God tell you to do something and you don't do it? Right? Okay, there we go. Now we're in sync. Because I'm thinking, I'm the only one who does that? See, we, we, have to, we have to correct each other in love. Because that's what love does. You don't let your kids just keep doing what they're doing when they're being disobedient or when you see them going down a path. You don't do that. You don't go, oh, it's okay. Feel free. Enjoy life. Go sin. No, 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 no. We're like, no, 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 no. Listen, what you did is wrong. Your attitude is wrong. This is not Christ-like, so on and so forth. So we do that, and often we get, um, you ever get this? You're so judgmental. You have no right to judge me. Are we believers? Are we in family? Are we in community? Judge is a hard word. Is that what I'm doing? Like, is that how you feel? You feel judged? Or do you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, there might be something to this? And I'm, I'm totally speaking to myself, so um, don't feel like I'm judging you. <laughs> we aren't called to judge the world. We are called to love them. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. We love people like that. But when we get offended, just like the Pharisees, our hearts are hardened. And God has harsh words. Jesus had harsh words for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I think somewhere I called them a den of vipers. Right? He relates them to snakes. Who else is referred to as a snake? I'm skipping to the end, Mackenzie. So in 1 Peter, which is not, this is not a slide, 1 Peter 4, 13 through 16, it says, 
Beloved, do not, uh, verse 12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Okay, basically that verse says, don't be known for your sin. Don't be known as a gossip. Don't be known as a troublemaker. Don't be known as a drunk. Don't be known, you can fill in the blank. He says, but be known in your suffering for Christ as a Christian. Does your life ooze Jesus? Right? So if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in that name. See, being a Christian isn't supposed to be easy. And if you're feeling pretty comfortable and you're easy and it's easy for you and you're not suffering because of your beliefs, you might be doing it wrong. Do your coworkers know that you are a Christian? Does your family know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> See, following Jesus isn't easy, but he gives us the Holy Spirit to do that, right? And so, Peter's obedient, and Peter's only obedient through the strength of the Holy Spirit, and that's where we get to do, this is where we come into play. If we're obedient, we have the Holy Spirit, if you're walking in disobedience, you don't have that. The Holy Spirit's not walking with you saying, yeah, go ahead, you can go into sin. Yeah, it's all right. I'll still be there. I mean, he will still be there, understand that. But you don't get to walk in that power if we're walking in sin. And I don't mean everyday sin. I, you know, that's a whole other message. Um, so, is that last slide up? Yes, okay. So, Here's where we're going to close. Obey God and let him take care of the rest because the closer you walk with God, the less reason there is to have fear. And we have a lot of fear. We're not bold. We're not walking in the power of the Spirit because we have fear, right? How many of you kind of freaked out a little bit when Pastor Kevin called us to worship uh, spontaneously? because you're not comfortable with that, right? I, it, that took me a long time to be able to do that. But all it is is you praising God. That's all it is. You do that every day, I'm sure. I'm hoping that every day you're waking up going, thank goodness I got out of bed today, right? I'm breathing today. That is, that is a good way to start the day. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not going to hell today or ever, right? <laughs> I don't usually, um, I'm not a, I, I like books, but I don't usually recommend them. But I found this book years ago, and it's called 40 Days with the Holy Spirit, and it's by R.T. Kendall. Um, and basically, it, it kind of gives you the definition of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does and what his role is in your life. And I think this is something that we fear at times is the Holy Spirit. 
we kind of get freaked out because we think he's going to make us do something we're not comfortable with. Yeah, that's the point. That is the, that's the point, right? Because you can't just be a Christian, come to church on Sundays, be a Christian here, and then go out there and not do anything with it. If you're local to Concord, we would love for you to join us at Restoration Foursquare Church. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 a.m. Consider yourself invited. You can find out more about us at rfcnh.com.